Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan. I'm uh, your host today. Um, Sunday was message six in a new series titled Jesus and Lessons in Faith. Uh, we're in Matthew 8. I've uh, been learning so much there, and this message is called Pigs or People. Uh, welcome to those of you who maybe are uh, tuning in for the first time. We're really glad you found us. Uh, we hope you'll share it with someone, and it always would be a big favor to us if you'll rate it. Uh, people tune in every week to uh, to learn some practical ideas, to grow in their faith, and uh, we want to help you uh, grow as a uh, follower of Jesus and everything in between as you grow as a leader. We're uh, we're glad you're here. Our hopes are to activate your faith, uh, Pastor Christian. You you talk about in your message the condition of this man, and you give some some real detail of what Jesus and the disciples would have encountered. And then you quote Tim Keller, and I love this quote. It says, "The righteous are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community." The wicked are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves. Can you uh, speak to the truth of this statement? Yeah, first, Ryan, I'll I'll speak to the Tim Keller devotional. So, uh, Tim Tim Keller has a, de- a daily devotional in the Proverbs that is just phenomenal. If you are looking for um, something to supplement your daily Bible reading, I believe that every Jesus follower ought to be. Daily reading the Bible ought to be yearly reading through the Bible. The Holy Spirit will speak directly through Scripture to our hearts. So I believe the best Bible study to walk with Jesus is to study the Bible, just to open up and read the Bible. But I often supplement my Bible study with with devotionals that will just kind of give me a, a just a quick pick me up. It's almost like spiritual caffeine because someone else has already processed so much of what the scripture says and they're just giving you the nugget of gold. And Tim Keller, uh, in his devotional through the Proverbs does that so well. Um, this statement, he, he just talks about what Proverbs describes as the righteous and the wicked. And when you look at the description of the righteous in Scripture, specifically through the Proverbs, when you look at the description of righteous through the lens of Jesus, it's someone who constantly looks at the world and says, it's not about me. There's there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger purpose. And Jesus' life was all about me so that my life could be all about somebody else. And followers of Jesus are willing to continue to to go the extra mile, to turn the other cheek, um, to do more than is asked of them, to, from time to time, be willing to be disadvantaged so that people in the community um, may have or experience more. Um, so when he talks about the righteous are people who are constantly talk, talked about intentionally taking a back seat so that somebody else may have what they have. Or someone else may have what they've not yet even experienced. But the wicked are people who are constantly trying to take advantage of other people. Uh, so in this story, we, you know, we, we see a parallel of Jesus who's willing to disadvantage himself to come from heaven to earth, eventually not just to become a servant, but to become a servant on a cross and a crowd of people in Gadara who comes out and they've, they've lost some money. They probably, they've probably lost a lot of money, a lot of asset wealth in these pigs that have rushed down the hill and died. And they are not willing to be disadvantaged in any way so that this man could be healed. And you see people who look at a man who's been healed, 
but them who have been disadvantaged and they just say, we just can't do this. Um, we would love for this guy to be healed, but not at our expense. And Christians are people who look at a savior who spared no expense so that we might be taken care of. And we're just people who give. We're people who pray. Um, we're, we're people who do extra. We're people who don't always need the spotlight. We're, we're people who are willing to be disadvantaged so that the community we live in, and specifically our spiritual community, is, is always taken care of to the best of our ability. I know you didn't love my demon question last week, but it turned out to be a great answer, so I have, I have another demon question for you. All right, why not? Uh, uh, how, how did the demons know about the appointed time that is referenced in Matthew eight twenty nine? So the demons were created beings. When we read in Scripture about God creating the heavens and the earth, at some point God created this angelic host to praise Him. And while we don't know all the specifics, and while there's only a few allusions in Scripture to Maybe how uh, Satan was an archangel um, by the name of Lucifer who was over maybe the music and the praise. How it appears maybe through Isaiah and Ezekiel that pride got the best of him and he wanted to be worshipped as much as God. He wanted to be worshipped like God instead of being a worshipper. He wanted to be worshipped um we believe that he fell and took a third of the angels, a lot of people believe, with him that were cast out of the heavenly realm to the earthly realm, one day to be condemned into an eternal lake of fire in place of torment. So in Scripture, Jesus talks uh, to those who would reject him. And I hear all the time, how could a good God send people to hell? God has not designed hell for people. Jesus says very specifically in this week's message in Matthew chapter 25 that hell, the fires of hell have been prepared for Satan and his demons. But there are a lot of people who would rather be worshiped than worship. And there are a lot of people who would rather have control than give control. And there are a lot of people, Jesus says, who will choose not to follow him, choose not to worship him. And they they will end up with Satan and his demons in an everlasting torment and punishment. It wasn't prepared for them. God does not desire for them to go there. But everyone has the free will or choice to to be a follower of Jesus or to worship themselves, control their own destiny, take life into their own hands. And because the demonic realm was a part of creation, and because the demonic leader, Satan, is a supernatural spiritual being who clearly is aware of God's plan for the world, right? He doesn't have omni um, omniscience like God. He doesn't know all things at all times. He doesn't have omnipresence. Satan can't be all places at, at all times. He, he doesn't have omnipotence. He's not all-powerful, but he is very powerful. And he's a spiritual being and he has tremendous spiritual knowledge and he's memorized scripture inside and out and will usually use scripture to try to help you drift from God. Satan and his demons know what the end looks like. And while they understand that they cannot ultimately be successful in the end, what gives them little wins day after day is to help them be successful today by distracting people, by pulling people away from God, by trying to convince people not to follow God. And, and this statement, this, this question from the demo, from the demons, one, it shows their bad theology because they thought the Messiah was going to come and conquer everyone all for once. So here's Jesus. And he's out of the time that they understand eschatology to have. Like, what are you doing here? It's not time yet. Is this the time of the end? And you have Jesus, which we talk about in this message, the kingdom of God is this already not yet thing. Jesus is like the kingdom of God is here. 
Now, the end time is not here. And first Peter would say the reason that it's not here yet is so more people can be ushered into the kingdom of God. It's coming. But the demons are incredibly theologically astute. They're like, oh, no, is it already time for us to be judged for all eternity? And Jesus is like, no, not yet. And they're like, well, then, then don't throw us there. Allow us to go into the pigs. And Jesus says, do whatever you want. But the demonic realm is aware that they're on the wrong side of God that they've been kicked out of heaven, that they're awaiting final judgment, um, and they're trying to take as many people as they can with them, and that is the spiritual dark forces of evil in our world that we talked about a little bit in last week's podcast in Ephesians chapter 6. It is behind every broken, evil thing, corrupt, corruptful, sinful thing in our world. It's interesting. In Scripture, you also see they know how powerful God is, and they oh, yeah. fear Him, and they, yes. they cower, yep. um, but yet, you know, of course, they still somehow think they're going to win. You give a really great lesson of faith. Uh, When Satan cannot stop ministry from happening, he will work to distract people from focusing on it. And you go on to talk about the critical eye and a positive spirit. Why should our listeners be mindful of this important tactic of the enemy? One, for for their own personal faith walk, and for their own relationships, specifically within their families, you know, the, the real meat and impact of this message is not in how people in our church will view our church. Even, even though, hopefully, people will realize the church is a messy, broken place that's doing lots of ministry, ho- hopefully that will be a byproduct of this. But the most important thing, I got a text from a friend this week that basically said, I've basically because I was raised in a difficult church experience, I think I've learned to separate mess from ministry and to be a good, encouraging churchman. Um, but I don't re- think in my home life, I realized how often I focus on messes rather than ministry. And in my work life, how often I focus on messes rather than ministry. Satan wants to steal, kill and destroy. When we look at the product of being filled with the Holy Spirit, fueled by the Holy Spirit, living life through the lens of the Holy Spirit, the resulting fruit or emotions, feelings, outcomes of constantly being focused on the right things and filled with the right things is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul says against those things, there absolutely is no law. Everyone wants those. Everyone wants to all day, every day, feel love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You only get that by by being spirit-filled and having a spirit-filled perspective of life. Satan wants to steal those emotions from you. He wants to kill those emotions in you. He wants to destroy those emotions in you. Here's how he cannot do that. He cannot do that by stopping the ministry of Jesus in or around you. Because he's not powerful enough. And Jesus said he was going to build his church and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. So Satan can't take a, a follower of Jesus and steal, kill, and destroy their hope, their emotions, their relationships, their lives, unless he can distract them from what Jesus is doing. So Satan's primary tactic, if he cannot keep you from knowing Jesus, is to keep you from seeing what Jesus is doing in and around you. 
Because if you constantly see where Jesus is in the middle of your marriage, you'll believe it's going to make it. If you constantly see where Jesus is in the middle of tense relationships, you'll believe that you can make it. If you constantly see where Jesus is in the middle of a sickness or a setback, you'll constantly have hope. Like, if you can see Jesus, you'll have hope. Jesus says that I give you peace. If you see Jesus, you're able to have peace. So if he can distract you from Jesus... He can steal your peace. He's not trying, Satan's not trying to get people to focus on messes rather than ministry so he can blow up churches. He's doing it so he can blow up people. Jesus said, I'm going to, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against that. But he told Satan, he told Simon, Simon, look out. Satan's going to blow up your life. But like when you've come back to your faith, like help others in their faith too. Satan can't blow up the church, so he's trying to blow up believers. And if we allow ourselves to be distracted by the messes of life rather than focusing on the ministry of life, our church, their church, our churches, they're going to be okay. But people will not be okay. So this message and this little kind of two-message series is really way more for individuals and marriages and families and friendships than it is for local churches. But it applies to that too. Yeah. No, it's great. And of course, this uh, message is about a, a demon possessed man. So that n- another question about the enemy and his schemes. Uh, another lesson of faith you shared is that the devil's oldest trick in the playbook is to convince you that it's all about you. I love Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life. I read about 20 some years ago has at the beginning of the book, it's not about you. This book reminds the reader that the purpose in each of our lives, it's its not about me. Uh, what, what can followers of Jesus do to remind themselves of the purposes that he has for us and of the schemes of the enemy? So I think if you go to journey, the best thing you can do to keep moving forward with Jesus is attend our growth track ministry. Because our growth track ministry helps you understand what Jesus has done for you and how Jesus has created you so that you can be impactful for him in the world. Like the growth track program that we have is all about you growing in your faith so God can grow his impact in the world. And I love this thought because, you know, the the people of the town come out and they look at this guy who's been demon possessed to the point. I mean, we looked at the realities of a broken individual and, and it was, it was terrible to see someone who's lonely and someone who's in pain and someone who doesn't believe they can have any help and someone who's practicing self-harm. I mean, like you, you look at this broken individual and you're like, man, someone has to help him. And then Jesus does, but it's at the expense of the comfort uh, and some of the extras that other people would have in their life. And they get there and the man is okay and they're okay, but some of their stuff is not. And they're like, man, like I'm okay with Jesus doing ministry, but not at my expense. And I think we have to continue to remember the message in life for those of us who are followers of Jesus is it's not about us. And that comes straight from, like you say, Christian, like, how dare you say that? Well, how dare you call yourself a follower of Jesus if you don't say that? Because Philippians 2 said our attitude should be the same as Jesus, who didn't consider it to be all about him. Like, that you, if you're a follower of Jesus, your attitude should be the same as Jesus, who didn't look at all of life as all about him, but he looked at life as all about others, and he did what he needed to do to minister to them. Your life should be like the Apostle Paul, who said, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. He said, I try to become all things to all people so that I might reach one. My life is not about me anymore. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified was, with Christ. I don't live anymore. It's, yeah, yeah, it's not about 
me anymore. So I think followers of Jesus, we, we are living in an oversaturated Christian culture. You can listen to 30 of the best sermons every week of your life. There are more study Bibles available than ever, more devotional books available than ever, more traveling worship tours than there have ever been, more stadium rallies than there have ever been, more great churches than there have ever been, more Christian radio stations than there have ever been, more Christian t-shirts and bands that there have ever been. You can make it all about you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so many in American culture are. We have become professionals at absorbing Christian content, and we are still juveniles in living on on Christian mission. And what this message is all about, if anything, is the message that it's not all about you. It's all about Jesus. It's all about hurting people. It's all about using your life to be a bridge between Jesus and those hurting people. And and when it gets to the point where crowds cannot be reached by preachers anymore, and we're getting close, then one at a time we go share our story and help people understand who Jesus is. It's not all about us. It's all about Jesus. And when we make it all about Jesus, it becomes about everyone else. That's why I love you directed people to the growth track, because it's about helping people understand the vision of the church to reach others, to understand how God created you, to make a difference in the lives of other people for Jesus. So if you are listening and you uh, maybe are not from the Kansas City area, you actually can be a part of our growth track online. We have it virtually at uh, 9.30 or 11 o'clock or even a 5 o'clock on a Sunday. You can virtually get in and be a part of that growth track process. Uh, you point out that this is uh, the only miracle where Jesus instructs somebody to go home and tell everyone about it. Uh, why is this important in this story and in our own personal story? So in this story, it's interesting. Jesus is in the region of the Decapolis, so he's in he's in Roman territory, Roman culture. And he is he's going to preach to the town, and they reject him. And the guy wants to go back with Jesus, and Jesus says, like, hey, brother, like, this town has rejected me, but they won't reject your story. So go tell your story, because the only way people are going to understand who I am is by meeting someone whose life I've powerfully worked in, by seeing that life change and believing that it can happen for them as well. We are almost to the point in American culture, it will happen in the next 25 years, where churches are not going to be able to reach people who have already decided they've rejected Christianity. They're not going to come. Like It's not going to be Jesus preaching to the masses because the masses will have already decided we've rejected the message. Before we've even heard it, we've rejected the message and the messenger. However, they're all going to have a Christian friend or family member that they've not rejected. And when churches are unable to reach people from a stage, that's when the church individually, one Christian at a time, reaches people in living rooms and in coffee shops and sitting in cars and going to ball games and taking walks and working out on in the gym. Like we, we are getting ready to become a Gadara culture where the masses say to Jesus, no, thank you. But they'll continue to be open relationally to Jesus followers. And Ryan, that may actually, I think it will make the church stronger because every Jesus follower will have to become an evangelist rather than an inviter. It's much easier to invite someone to church than to take Jesus to someone. But when the church is filled with people who realize the only way my friend or family member who's already rejected Jesus from a stage, who's already rejected the message of salvation, 
the only way for them to be reached is by my life and by my story. They're going to, they're one, going to take their story way more seriously. They're going to learn how to tell it. They're going to take their faith seriously. They're going to try to not be a stumbling block. The church is going to be refined. Christians are going to be stronger. And I think the world will see Jesus more clearly when they have to see him through the life of his followers rather than his church. And that's getting ready to happen in, in our country. We're, we're within a generation of the masses rejecting the orthodox biblical ministry of Jesus. But as long as they have one of his followers in their life, then Jesus still has a chance to reach him and do ministry. And that's why we see it was so important in this message. The town had already rejected Jesus, but they hadn't rejected all the Jesus followers. And we're getting ready to be at a place where probably culture rejects Jesus, but not all the Jesus followers. So that will be, by the way, it, it was Christ's primary method, not preachers on stages, but probably Christians in relationships. Go out and as you go out, help, help people understand who Jesus is. It will make the, it will make the capital C church. It will make the kingdom of God stronger. And then Christian, and then churches will become primarily just equipping grounds to teach Christians to go do the work of the ministry, not inside the church, but in the world because the world has stopped coming to the church. Yeah. No, great point. Uh, let's close with this. We've been, we've been doing this each week for a while now talking about how when people learn something, we want them to go share it with others. And so what what from this message would you want our audience to share with someone else? Run towards the hurting. You know, we, we see Jesus walking to Gadara, and we see this very, very, the condition of this broken man is just unbelievable. But Jesus and his 12 disciples move towards him. We have to be a people that move towards broken people. And one of our key lessons of faith was, hey, listen, people who are lost spiritually and broken spiritually act like and look like people who are lost spiritually and broken spiritually. You cannot reject them. You've got to love them. You know, Jesus constantly rejected the hypocrisy within religious circles, but he never rejected lost and broken people. And I feel like we have a church that's willing, a church culture that's willing to put up with hypocrisy on the inside, but unwilling to put up with sin on the outside. And it needs to be the opposite. We need to have more patience with our lost and broken friends who are acting lost and broken than with our Christian friends who aren't following Jesus like passionately like that that would probably build a stronger church and be a stronger ministry long term so i think the the point of this message that i would say is listen all those lost broken people that you've rejected because they act like lost broken people those are the people you need to be running towards those are the people that jesus managed to engage in conversation and relationship and those were the people whose lives most desperately needed him so look around your life at the dysfunction find the condition of those who are hurting and move towards them because maybe just maybe god has ordained a conversation between you and them that will lead to healing that will lead to um their life being whole that will lead to them like this this man in Gadara being clothed and sitting in his right mind a total radical life transformation because Jesus was willing to move towards the hurting and have a conversation with it. It's interesting today before our meeting that we had I got a phone call from a, a college buddy and I just thought huh I haven't talked to him in a long time and I had a moment where I thought I'm busy and I thought maybe I won't take it but I took it and it turned into a great ministry moment got a chance to pray with him and encourage him and so he was uh, he was really in a, in a broken spot so I think that's exactly how we we're 
We're supposed to love people who are hurting, even if they're messy, especially if they're messy. And uh, so thank you for the great lesson today from the scripture. Uh, Pastor Christian, I appreciate you joining us on the podcast. Thanks for listening to uh, today. Those of you who are listening from around the world, again, if you're new, we're, we're glad you're here. Welcome. We hope you'll come back and uh, gain more biblical insights and ways to activate your, your faith. If you're in town, come see us in person. Uh, we've opened up our uh, new children's wing, so we've got our second uh, campus right here on site at 930. We'd love to see you in person at either 8, 930, or 11. Uh, otherwise, we'd love to hear how God's working in your life. You can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc or if you have a question you want us to answer. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.